All right, we're going to go ahead and get started here in just a moment. So find your seat if you're coming in. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm just going to open with a quick word of prayer, and then I'll introduce myself and our, our topic for this session. The Father, we thank you for this conference, for the chance to gather together, to be edified, to be challenged, to grow uh, as believers, and especially, Lord, for those of you who those of us here who have been given the task of proclaiming your word, uh, that we grow in that task as well, in the technicalities of it, as well as the spirit and the heart behind it. We pray for your help today, Lord, even as we dig into this topic of scheduling and ask that you'd be with us, help us to uh, have wisdom and to be willing to apply principles from your word and even practical things that we might be more faithful in the task you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome. Glad to have you here. Uh, we're talking about how to plan and optimize your weekly schedule. Catchy title. Um, glad you guys could join us. A uh, little bit about me before we jump in. My name's Reagan Rose. Uh, I teach on personal productivity and the Christian life. That's sort of my, my shtick. And so I've been doing that for a while through a ministry called Redeeming Productivity. And we work with Christians around the world. Uh, I produce podcasts, uh, articles, newsletter, different things like that, but also have a membership program thing where we kind of work more directly with people to help them in the practicals of time management, but having it couched in the good theology, right? So that's why it's called Redeeming Productivity. But before uh, I did that, I actually focused on uh, pastoral resources first. So I just threw this up on the screen. If you guys want, I have the Temp, we're going to talk about a couple templates I'm going to share with you you can use. Uh, I have the slides from this and all my other sessions, as well as any notes, a bunch of other recommended resources. So if you grab that, uh, or it's just redeemproductivity.com slash E3 2023, that will get you everything for all these sessions. So I was going to say, though, before I got into teaching more generally Christians about this topic, my original endeavor was actually, I started it during while I was in seminary. I started a ministry called The Pastor's Week, and I was blogging on pastoral scheduling. So this, this, uh, this uh, session we're going to talk about is a long time coming. So I did a lot of research into how do different pastors schedule their time? How do you achieve balance in what is a very strange time management puzzle that ministry is, as you know? So we're going to get into a lot of that and hear some of the challenges, the unique challenges, and hopefully give you some specific resources you can use to either create a weekly schedule if you don't have one, or fine-tune it and uh, put some more thought into that. I'll start with a quote here. This is from J. Oswald Sanders. He wrote uh, Spiritual Leadership. He said, the problem is not that of needing more time, but of making better use of the time we have. And uh, I think that's so sage because we often wish I had a little more time, especially if it's Saturday night or maybe Sunday morning, you got your message. You're like, okay, need a little more time. The problem is of stewarding the time. It's not about needing more. And um, we'll talk more about that uh, later in this session about how we think about that. But I want to address some of the unique time management challenges pastors face and show sort of how having a well-defined schedule can help you meet some of these. So I think one of the big challenges of pastoral ministry is temporal autonomy, which is just the fanciest way I could come up with saying you have time freedom. Uh, you, you might not feel that way. You've got meetings, you've got the Sundays coming, but a lot of your days are ill-defined. There's not someone standing over your shoulder. There's not one sa someone saying, you need to do this now. Next thing is this. You not only have to do the work, a lot of times you have to figure out what the work is. And that's very unique to pastoral ministry. And it leads to a couple of problems. Uh, one problem potentially is that of, we could say maybe laziness or being a little bit lax without a fixed schedule in mind, or at least something you're trying to strive towards. You can drift off into, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing this afternoon, so I'm going to spend maybe too much time on social media, or I'm going to linger a little too long with the hallway conversations that are so common in, in ministry um, uh, contexts. And so that's one problem, this temporal autonomy. But the other one is actually the opposite problem, but it comes from the same source, is you just let your schedule expand 
until it eclipses all other areas of life. It stabs into family time, uh, your physical health, a bunch of different areas that you've also been called to be faithful in, but because you haven't thought about the boundaries of what ministry should be time-wise, it can just expand infinitely. So that's a big challenge. And as we'll see, that is one thing, both sides of that can be helped and aided by having a fixed ideal schedule in mind. We'll talk about flexibility from it, but having a schedule helps. The other unique challenge of time management pastors face is, I I call this the pastor's paradox, is you at once, to be faithful, have to do deep work, right? You have to be deep, uninterrupted time in the word of God to prepare a message. But at the same time, you're also called to be a people person. You need to be interruptible. You need to be available to your people. And so th- that it's a paradox or feels like a paradox sometimes because how do you do both of those? And I think a schedule is another great way, and we'll talk about some st- specific strategies for that too, a great way to have some set time for here is when I'm in un- uninterruptible. I'm working deeply, and here are the times when I'm available and being able to be bold with some of those boundaries, of course, being open to divine appointments, but you have to start with some schedule. You have to start with some ideal in mind. And the last one sort of uh, kind of stems from all of them, but there's just a tendency towards an unbalanced life in pastoral ministry. It's, It's strange. You work on Sundays, and so then you have this strange, you have a day off usually. It's just, it's an odd schedule Sometimes there's stuff on Saturdays, events. There's Wednesday evening stuff. It's it's a very abnormal schedule that's in a lot of flux. And so because of that challenge, having a schedule, again, is going to help you keep the rest of the life in balance as well. All right, so we're going to operate here off of a, a concept. I call it domains of stewardship. It's just areas of your life. I break these down. I think it's in your notes too. I, I talk about this some in the Redeeming Productivity book, but basically just a rubric that for most people, this encapsulates the different areas of your life. And so we have this spiritual domain. So your walk with the Lord, relational, family, friends, stuff like that. Vocational, that would be your calling. So in your case, pastoral ministry or whatever, if you're not in pastoral ministry, whatever your main vocation is. Physical health, economical, by that, I mean, uh, not just financial, but household management, right? The, you, you have stuff you have to mow the lawn you got to fix the cars. That requires time too, right? So when are you going to do those things? Recreational. So that's just not just rest, but also when are you going to do things where you're enjoying uh, God's creation, enjoying the things he's given you, right? So these things, the pie graph is a poor example here because you obviously time-wise, these aren't going to break down to one-sixth, one-sixth, one-sixth. The point is having some visibility on how am I, how am I being faithful in these areas as a function of time. How, how am I investing my time and how does that pan out? Because you'll start to notice patterns. I'll show you in a minute um, a tool we're going to use. But you'll notice patterns of, oh, wait, for a lot of guys in pastoral ministry, the physical, com- I, I literally spend zero hours a week on physical exercise. And so the way to solve these problems of, of saying, hey, I'm not being faithful in some of these areas, one big part of that is carving out time for it. So again, it comes back to scheduling. It's kind of a nitty, nitty gritty thing. All right, so here's the five steps we're going to go through uh, for the rest of our time here. Five steps to scheduling your ideal week. So the first is we're going to audit your current schedule. Second, create your ideal schedule. Third, communicate your schedule. Fourth, defend your schedule. And fifth, modifying your schedule. How, when do you flex? That kind of stuff. And feel free as I'm going to, to interrupt, ask me questions, or um, yell at me if you want. I don't. I'll be okay. All right, so... Let's uh, start with this. Uh, let me pop this open here. I think this will show on your screens. This is the, the tool I have made for you. So if you looked at that link, again, I'll show you the QR code at the end again, but it's just redeemingproductivity.com slash E3 2023. But this is a Google sheet and it has uh, basically Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you use this to mark out your activities, and then you can categorize them if you want to use the domains of stewardship thing. I've got dropdowns for each of those. Well, they're dropdowns I've used on the PC. If you're on here, it's, you just got to fill them in. But uh, what happens with this, and we'll return to this throughout, is it's actually 
not only you know giving you visibility on how what your plan is for an ideal week, okay? It's also doing a little bit of work calculating to show you, like I was saying, giving you visibility on what where am I spending a lot of time? Where am I not spending a lot of time? And it's it's not my place to tell you how what the percentage of each of these should be, but it's just a tool to give you visibility. Because often it's just, I feel like I'm spending a lot of time doing X. And then when you actually track it and write it down, you're like, I'm not spending that much time, right? So this allows you to do that. And so they're in this template. Um, if you want to grab this when you get home or whenever, uh, there's this example one. And I'll talk a little bit about this. This is from uh, Pastor Tom Pennington. But there's a blank one here too. And so you, if you don't use Google Sheets, there's instructions at the top on how to use it. You basically just duplicate this into your own Google library and, and it'll tell you how each step-by-step. Step. There's even on that webpage I sent you, I recorded a little video walking you through how to use it. So I won't spend a ton of, ton, a ton of time on the actual like how, um, but we're going to walk through this together using the same tool for the audit part and for actually crafting an ideal schedule. So let me jump back over to this. And hopefully all your questions will be answered as we go. So I really recommend this. You can skip this step, but I think there's a lot of wisdom in auditing your current schedule. And what I mean by that is spending a week tracking how you're spending your time. Maybe you've done this before. I know different times, like this is something that's been recommended to me in any time management course I've taken. Take a week and do it. But if you've never done it or if it's been a while, at least once a year, it's really wise to take a sheet like this and just fill it in for a full week. And you just say, what am I doing every 30 minutes of the day? And you're just tracking. You're not, you're not deciding in advance. You're just saying, what did I do? And then at the end, you go back and you categorize it. So you can use this one. And so basically, you're just filling in the activity column here next to each day. And then later, when you're done with it, you label which category that falls into, right? And that'll help you do the tallies in the pie graph thing. And this, again, it's going to give you visibility on what things currently are because I guarantee there will be surprises. I do this at least once a year for myself just to kind of evaluate where I'm at. And every time I'm surprised, I always think that my time is being spent differently than it is. And this is also a good chance to reflect. So you see number three there, you want to ask yourself some questions. Which domains am I giving adequate time to? There's going to be some things you're like, yeah, this is about right. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's, uh, you know, the porridge is just right. Uh, number four there, which domains am I giving too much time to? You may find things that are way overblown. Um, oftentimes in pastoral ministry, it may be that you start labeling all this stuff that's marked as vocational, and you're like, I'm working eight hour, 80 hours a week. This is probably not sustainable, right? Maybe I need to figure out a way to tone that back down and reallocate. And then five there, which domains am I not giving adequate time to? And again, that, that little pie graph it does for you is going to be revealing, I think, probably for you. Any questions on this part, on the auditing part? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I would do that. Maybe do vocation one, vocation two. That's probably a smart way to do it. Yeah. You might have to make some tweaks to the formulas and stuff to have it auto-calculate, but um, I think that's a good way to do it. Anything else? Thoughts or questions? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I find hard to balance is I've got to be available when they're serving. Right. And so then how do I balance that out with, you know, I don't want to wipe off in the afternoon. Right. Yeah, you feel like if you, you have a team that's, they're going to be there, they're showing up and doing it in their evenings, shouldn't I be there too? Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great question. We'll, we'll talk about some of that as we get in and look at the ideal thing. Um, I do want to say, too, that the example schedule I have on there, uh, the Tom Pennington one, I'll talk about that one, why I chose that one. I'm not saying that that one is the ideal schedule, that you guys should all do that. I'm just saying it's an example of someone's pastoral schedule. I think he has some interesting categories. But yeah, I, that, that is a good one. I think that that's a good representation, too, if I think 
the pressures of pastoral ministry and why it, why it so often becomes unbalanced. Why is it that it expands in every area of life? And that's a huge part. You've got volunteers. You've got, um, there's Saturday stuff. If you, if you have a larger church, you have a lot of weddings. You feel like, should I be at every one of these weddings? And they're like all on a Saturday, right? Um, your time can easily get out of control unless you figure out a way to set some boundaries. Once you are able to set some boundaries, then you can get creative with, okay, how do I, how do I, in your case, is there a way I can make a team leader for some of this stuff? And so I'm, I'm there once a month or something like that, right? There's ways to solve that. But I think it starts with figuring out if I'm overextended, it's my responsibility to figure out a way to not stay overextended. Of course, that's going to happen for seasons. But um, I wrote an article, I don't know, maybe, I think it was late last year on pastoral burnout. I did a bunch of research on it. Uh, you guys have probably read about this. It's unbelievable how many pastors are leaving the ministry and citing the reason as being the demands are too many. And so I think the threat is real. And so I, I, I think you have to be, get creative and get serious about attacking the problem of if I'm doing too much, I'm doing it consistently. It's going to end up uh, cutting me down at some point. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Skip that. <laughs> yeah. So in the uh, in this thing, I do have a category for sleep. That big gray one, and so <laughs> it should just be z z z. Um, I I did put that in here. So there's actually a seventh category <laughs> in the in this thing. That's a great question. I should have said, well, you just don't do that. <laughs> you just go, you got you're wasting like eight hours a night. <laughs> Yeah, it is very easy to cut into it. Yeah. And and there's a lot I'm doing. I think it's this afternoon. I'm doing another session on morning routine stuff. We talk a little bit about that, about the evening routine and like getting good sleep. There's a bunch of research. I'm cutting in my other talk, but there's a bunch of stuff on keeping a consistent sleep schedule as much as going to bed at the same time, how healthy that is for you, and then being able to wake up at the same time. So yeah, great point. All right, let's, let's keep moving with this because we want to get into the ideal schedule stuff. Um, this is where we'll spend the bulk of our time. All right, so creating an ideal schedule. I'll give you like a few steps. So this is just my recommendation. If you've done this yourself, you might start bottom up. That's fine. But here, here's a good way to start. Planning your theme days. So I'll flip back over to the sheet. I've made a spot for this. So this is... Uh, if you guys do grab this sheet from the QR code, this link right here, I know this is hard to read, but this link is a video of Tom Pennington. He's a pastor uh, down in Texas. And I was in a class of his when I was in seminary and he went through his schedule. And I literally just watched that video like five times in a row and put it into the template. <laughs> so what the best way to do it, if you want a really good example of someone breaking down every step, Watch that video while looking at this template and you'll, you'll get the visual and you'll get him explaining a little of the nitty gritty. And again, I don't, I'm not saying his schedule is perfect, but he's, he's seasoned in ministry and he's really thought about it, as you'll see even as you look at this. But one thing he does is he each day sort of has a theme. So for example, Sunday, that's kind of obvious. He's teaching the word, right? And so that's going to be dominated by that. Day off, a lot of guys, it's Monday. Some people are Friday. I remember reading an article not that long ago of a guy making an argument why your day off should be Friday. So that's a, that some people do that as well. But that's just the theme. You're not saying that's all you do, but that's the main thing. Um, in Tom's example, I thought this was very clever. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, he had these designated as correspondence days. So specifically, he was taking calls on that day. He would group all of his meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays, staff meeting, all of that. Um, email, counseling, even lunch appointments, those are the days for those. And if you look through this or watch that video later, you'll see how he breaks it up. But he, we talked about at the beginning that balance between I need to be able to do deep work and I need to be available. Some of that, he, he's done a good job, I think, of having some boundaries of these are the days to schedule stuff on. <laughs> And he has the blessing of having a church secretary who can kind of run interference and stuff for him, which is a, a good help in that. But um, he's held the line on that, and I think it's wise. Uh, look at Wednesday there. The theme day he has for that is his study day. And this is when he's focusing on the Sunday morning sermon. And you'll see this is a, a long day. You look at how many vocational things there are. All that yellow is vocational. 
it's basically all day sermon prep. Um, and he does this one at home, which I think is interesting. So he gets out of the office to do the deep work so that no one can just drop by, right? So there's some wisdom there. Um, he has even works in the physical there. He works in walks. He walks and thinks about the sermon during that day. There's wisdom there. Um, and that stretches all the way till dinner time. And then he has Wednesday evening stuff at the church that he's at. So he is, that part gets broken up. We'll get a little bit more into the details of this, but just keeping with the themes. The other one he did is a, a study day on Friday. He does this one at the church office. So he did one away. So he, he's away knowing he's really deep in study. Study at the, at the office. He is finalizing the Sunday sermon, but he does night church there with a separate sermon at his church. And so this is actually an entirely separate sermon prep day for an entirely separate sermon. So that's a lot. So here's a guy who is squeezing in two preps a week. Um, and if you've, you've ever listened to anything by Tom Pennington, you know he's doing the work. Um, so he fills that day up, but he ends that one at five o'clock and then Friday nights are for the family, doesn't plan stuff um, outside of the family typically. And then Saturday, the last theme was just a home chores, family responsibilities. I would say this is his uh, economical day. <laughs> I know that word's probably not the best word for it, but household management, right? Um, and occasional church responsibilities, the occasional wedding, but he tries to guard that one. So again, here's just an example, but my point here is uh, start, is, is you're starting to break down your schedule. So let's assume you've done the audit of your current schedule. What you're probably going to find is I have meetings all over the place. Someone, any day someone says, hey, can you meet on Wednesday? And you're like, well, that's normally my sermon prep, but I'll just, they only, they said they could do it at 10. So I'll do it at 10 right in the middle of when I should be prepping the sermon. It's, it's, a, it's a bad idea. That's how the, you start to get off balance. You, you, you have to hold the line on some of this stuff. I really believe that. Um, so start here. You, you've, you've done your audit. You've looked at kind of how things are. Then say, okay, in an ideal week, and we're kind of calling it ideal because we live in reality, but you're just saying, this is how I think things should go such that I'd be faithful in each of the domains of life and I could keep up with things, okay? And then you plot it out by starting with the first step. This is sermon prep day. This is day off. Um, this is, maybe you do the correspondence day thing, but try to do that. I think there's, that's smart because it helps you to filter things at a higher level. Any thoughts on that, the theme day thing? Or any of you guys who are seasoned in ministry have things you would like to share um, on that? Um, or even on day off, things along that context. Yeah. Yeah. Is that often? Or you mean just you something comes up and... Yeah. <coughs> Yeah, yeah, but you just have big project undertaking type things. Yeah. But I'm curious. I don't want to get a hold. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I, um, most of my, I'm not a, a full time pastor myself. I, most of my time is spent on projects, and that is, I, I theme my days a little bit different from this, where I think in terms of what is my project of the week. So if you want, I could talk, I could show you my version of this schedule. I have it somewhere else, but I theme my days of what is the project of the week and when is the big chunk of time I'm going to work on that project. So that's one way of approaching it if you're in a different context. Anything else on theme days? Anybody do this? Yeah, go ahead. I didn't see anything early, so I couldn't read it on my phone. When you say new people day, what uh, do you mean? Yeah. So he, he did that uh, on his correspondence days. So he has that, any, any type of thing like that. And I, if you watch the little video, I didn't want to just play his video in here because then I would feel useless. But <laughs> it's, it's worth watching because he goes deep into a lot of that stuff. And this is a class, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And uh, there's a lot of good questions people ask along those lines about when you go to the hospital, when you do that. Good question. Anything else on theme days before we move on? Yeah. When, when were his like, evangelism uh, sort of placed in there? Is that the same answer with correspondence days? Or? Yeah, I don't know that he spoke about 
I'm trying to remember if he spoke about that directly. I would expect that that's probably when it would be. Is he is he's traveling and stuff on those days and doing meetings and things like that. So yeah, great question. But I don't know. <laughs> All right, yeah. Can you speak on the benefits of overlap? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I was going to touch on that actually. I'm glad you brought it up. So the even with uh, individual activities things often don't fit into the same bucket. So you could imagine, probably some of these have in mind, if I'm going to go meet someone, what if we go for a walk together? Or what if we exercise, right? There are ways to double dip or triple dip on this stuff. And I think that is uh, a big part of the wisdom of managing your time in pastoral ministry is getting creative with that stuff. Um, and I think probably too, uh, having the, the boldness to suggest, we'll say, <laughs> Like it, we'll talk about defending your schedule in a little bit, but I that that is a big thing is saying, hey, I can meet on these days because I think so often with, out of a servant's heart we want to be able to say we want to accommodate, right? And that's a good comes from a good place, but you have to remember too, part of your role is this study of the word, is these other things, and uh, a lot of people have more flexibility than when their first suggested thing is, but you you start by having here here is my schedule. Here and here's when I can meet, and then having the boldness to say, "Hey, what if we did this for it? What if we did this?" And people, you know, they're open to that kind of stuff. That makes it a little more fun. That's a good. Idea. Any other ideas for double dipping? Anything that came to your mind? Uh, so I, I, our church is really big on discipleship and start utilizing that as much as possible. Yeah. And so I, I tell people all the time, this is the time I have. If I want to put time over here, it's got to be more important than whatever I have time for over here. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times it's not. So what I have to do is I have to try to solidify some of those or convince some of those into double digit, triple digit. Yeah. Specifically in discipleship relationships. I love to run. I love to fish. I love outdoors. I can I use those for discipleship way more than anything at the church or going to the coffee shop or anything like that. Yeah. So I love taking family, especially new families, on the boat, take your kids out fishing with my kids, and all of a sudden we're engaging in some discipleship yeah. conversations, evangelism. Uh, so a lot of my discipleship relationships are out running, playing pickleball, or going out boat. Yeah, I love that. You're getting physical, getting recreational, getting the spirit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I used to go to a church where we had our, you know, Thursday night discussion. Yeah. Better block that out. Yeah, however, other um, I moved to Florida, so that's been the password. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But when people visit, that's why I asked about the evangelism outreach. Yeah. We changed our outreach budget for me to do lunches and dinners with people. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, I've double dipped. That's my lunch time, dinner time. But yeah. if they can't do it on Thursday, I've got to do it on Tuesday. And if it's a couple, I'll take them out with my wife on a Thursday night. But I can't lose weight. That's, yeah. the only <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> no, that's great. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of wisdom to be able to double dip. But I'd say on the discipleship side too, I um, those correspondence days, if you choose to do that, it's a great time, especially if you have young guys who are interested in the ministry. You know, it's it's um, it's like Deuteronomy six, like it, as you go, right? As you, you can you can train guys, just have them be with you on those days, and you the natural conversations will follow. You tell them, hey, I'm working. You watch me, and we'll talk about it as we go. Very natural way to. Um, to do that, um, and a lot of young guys have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> All right, let's jump back. What did I have next here? Fill your schedule from most important to least important. Uh, so just going in order here, once you have your theme days established, this is roughly how I want to do it. You want to start with the the big important stuff. There's, um, I think it's in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but the Stephen Covey classic book on productivity. He has this illustration of a jar. Right, he says, you know, a lot of us we fill our time with like the sand and stuff, and that's like all the little piddly stuff you have to do each day, all the urgent stuff, and then you have the bigger stuff, and then you try to squeeze these big important rocks in, and they don't fit. But if you put the big stuff in first, and then the smaller, and then the smallest, everything fits in the jar, right? And that I think is a smart way to approach your your scheduling too. Is you lock down the most important things. So when's your sermon prep going to be, right? Um, when a staff meeting, when are these things that are going to, you're going to put them there and you're going to treat them as immovable. So work in that direction and then fill it in as you go. Uh, 
categorize your activities by domain. So I should say it this way. What I would do is for some of these large ones like sleep, you just go through and say, this is when I wake up, right? So just drag this down to where it is. And then for other stuff, you say, okay, this is my deep work time. You don't have to write in the activity for every single thing. You know, some of these, you can see that I'm repeating the same thing. But you generally want to start with the activity and then categorize it. So I think that's a, a smarter order to do it in. And then you just go through the week. Just go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Again, if you're working from, if you already did an audit with this, you might just take the same one and just start adjusting it, right? So it's, it's easier to make adjustments from what you're already doing. Or you're like, my schedule is so messed up. I'm just going to open up the blank sheet. I'm going to sigh. Wow, a blank schedule. I've never seen one of those before. And then just start working through it that way. Uh, a couple notes here that I think will be helpful to you. So I have the example one up. Um, again, I'm stealing this from Tom Pennington. I need to send him. Uh, I need to send him uh, <laughs> a, a check or something. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say a thank you note, but now I'm on the line. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought these were really, really helpful. So these are his rules for day off, and he gives a little more context to them in the video. But never do church-related business on your day off. Now he does give a caveat. You know, obviously divine appointments. Obviously, there are true emergencies, but trying to avoid doing church-related stuff on your day off is part of you stewarding your vocation. You have to rest. You have to take time away from it. You have a family, or at least you have friends, I hope. Um, but you have other things in life that you need tending to. And so you actually have to use your day off. Um, ways he does this is don't look at your email on your day off. You guys know how that is. It's the wor- I think having your email on your phone is the worst invention ever. <laughs> because all it does, if you guys are like me, I open up the email, I see it, I say, oh no. I'll do that later. <laughs> and so now I'm just carrying this stress with me, right? Um, so he, he is set up and he explains it more, but he, he communicates that. And we'll talk about that in, I think, point four here. But he communicates that. I'm not answering it. I'm not checking it. If there's a real emergency, there's stuff. He has his secretary. He has other people that can help run interference to make this less um, so no one can reach him. But the other thing is he doesn't answer his phone if, it's, it's, if he doesn't recognize it or if he believes it's church-related, he lets it go to voicemail. I gave the example in the video of saying um, someone calls and you get this call. Tell me if you guys, this sounds familiar. Uh, Pastor, I know it's your day off, but, <laughs> right? And so he was saying, he just, he lets voicemail be the filter. You're not being rude. That's kind of, I mean, that's a lot of people do that anyway for all the calls. But you just sit, let it go to voicemail and you can listen to it and say, okay, th- I really do need to take care of this. You know, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is a divine appointment. This is something I need to jump on. But having those boundaries it's going to preserve your longevity in ministry. This is not this is not trying to be a hermit. It's just saying, hey, I'm a human. I'm finite. I am not God. I need a day off. And I, it needs to be a true day off. I think a lot of wisdom in that. What time do we end here? So I can pace myself. Do you guys know? What's the next thing? 11.30. Okay. I'm going to go way slower then. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but, um I was going to ask uh, days off, especially I, I love hearing from guys who are seasoned in ministry and share it with the rest of us. Any other tips for your day off or thoughts on that that might be helpful? Talk to your wife on your day off? No, oh, <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, and I, I'd say even for this whole process, there's a lot of wisdom if you are married, if you've been doing this with your spouse, or if you have other people who are, um, you know, if you associate pastor, maybe you are, so like doing this, especially the vocational parts, doing this in concert with others that you're working alongside, your spouse, the staff, that kind of stuff, you're going to help hash this stuff out together. Any other thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. And the church has given me time to say, so, you know, how selfish do we become in saying, no, I have to have the full day off and to expect, you know, something else in my Monday? Sure, yeah. But I would, I would just push back on that slightly is you don't expect your members to have no days off. I mean, I, you're saying on Sunday that they're coming in, they're serving, right? Or even on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just say I, I, I think it's a legit concern. And I think some of that can end up motivating you to get onto this track where 
things do become unsustainable for you. Um, yeah, I, I think that's legit. And I think that there are, again, we're talking ideal schedule and we need to be flexible with it. But as an ideal, trying to guard that time is going to serve your members and it's going to serve your family better, I think, in the long run. So trying to guard it, but being willing to have exceptions. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great bit of context. Yeah, if you just net it out hours of work, because the pastor's schedule is such an odd one. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, just don't tell me the number. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good point. You're you're working a lot as a pastor if you're doing if you're doing the evening activities and the different things. Um, it's wise to guard that that day off as much as you can. I saw a hand back here. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not off though. She's working. She's off on Saturday, so we kind of settled into a pattern where I take uh, Monday. I work from home in the morning. Monday afternoon, I'll take off so she can, you know, so we can down with work. We have time together, and then Saturday morning's off. But I've generally got stuff I need to get done Saturday night, stuff for Sunday. Yeah. So it's kind of like two half days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the ways to leverage that temporal autonomy in your favor where you can get creative with this stuff. I mentioned a little bit ago that, you know, I've seen arguments, people saying, hey, pastors, you should have your day off on Friday. And that sometimes I think just doesn't occur to you. I'm a pastor. I take my day off on Monday. You don't have to. You can, you can change. You can do two half days, like you're saying. You can do a Friday. You, you can move things around to work for you. So instead of looking at the negatives of all these different demands, you do have some positives in your favor. You have flexibility in your schedule, so you can get creative with it. I like that example. That's good. Have you seen benefits of like full days versus two half days? Or? It does seem, maybe this is personality driven, but the, guy, the pastors I've talked to, and this is my own experience too, there is something about having a full day off. Because even, even for me, if I have something, even if I have one call in the afternoon, I think about it all morning. And I don't feel like I can actually fully invest in something else. So I do think that there is an advantage. And maybe that rings true for some of you guys. Maybe it's, it doesn't bother you. But I, I think a full day, there is an advantage to that if you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a couple hours they could do in the evening for the sermon, like the mm-hmm. or something. But you know, you have your occasional events, but then I don't know, maybe Saturdays are typically free. Yeah. Do you advise? Yeah, I don't know. See, yeah. See what I'm wrestling yeah. With? I'm, I think the the concept comes from the pa- the pastor working pretty much all day on Sunday. And maybe that's not the case in every church. I mean, I know a lot of churches don't do night services now, so maybe it's not an all-day thing, but it's a pretty demanding thing either way. Um, and that's the idea is you, you typically, at least in America, you have Saturday and Sunday off. I mean, even if you're a believer, you come and show up for the, the Sunday service, Sunday school, all that, but it's not, you're not working, right? And so the idea is the pastor's working on Sunday. And so when when is his day off? So we do the money thing. And as you mentioned, oftentimes, as you know, you're doing stuff on Saturday night to get ahead and you have the odd church event. So that's the idea is 
trying to build some regularity so that you can manage your home life, so that you can, you know, not let the the siding fall off of your house because you just don't have time to get to it, you know? Um, that's the idea with it. Most of the it's it's interesting this keeps coming up and i should throw it back to you guys i mean there's a lot of hesitation and maybe maybe guilt is too strong of a word but I like, is that true? Like you feel the, the pressure of, I'm not really allowed to have a day off. Do, who feels that way? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a heavy thing. Um, and we, I would, yeah, go ahead. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And you get spread thin and you, you get exhausted and the, like you said, the number of hours you put in are not qualitatively the same after a while. Anybody knows, you know, after, after about three o'clock, I'm almost useless. So, um, yeah, it's a great, great counsel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're a Christian and you're not in ministry, you have Saturday off, and it's Sunday that you may serve or you may do some church. Yeah. Should pastors get two days off a week? Yeah. So they not be a day off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Do, do we program a day and a half off a week? Mm-hmm. Like just a full day Saturday and a half day here? I'm just curious. Well, let, let me put this in a maybe. Maybe part of it's the way we're conceiving of it. Um, actually, let me show show you this schedule, uh, the Tom one. Let me show you what he does on his day off. Again, I'm not saying he's the standard, but um, I think you'll be interested to know that most of what he's doing on his day off is catching up with all the stuff in life that he has neglected because he's working days, Sundays, and many evenings too. And so a lot of that, if you watch the thing, it's working around the house. It's fixing the cars. It's it's keeping up with the life stuff. It's not like he's, you know, playing um, Call of Duty or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you can play some Call of Duty, I guess. But like, uh, it's not like you're just. It's a it's a day. It's a vacation. It's that you're you're always working. You're always serving. If I go back to this um, illustration here, this is the idea of you having these different slices of your life, it's, we say vocational, that's just one area of your stewardship. It's really important, but you've also been called to steward your family. You've also been called to steward your health. You've also been called to steward the possessions you have. If you don't put times for, time into those things, you are neglect, you're being unfaithful with an area of stewardship in your life. And so I, I think that maybe some of the, the, the struggles with the day off is it's not just it's not a, it's not necessarily just me time me time me time. You do need that. You do need relaxation. You do need rest, obviously. But a lot of it is I need to actually take care of all the things the Lord's given to me. And I think that that's that's something that can get lost. And especially when you start to feel guilty about this different stuff. Um, I, I would just address too the the thing of people in your church. We ask them to serve on the, on stuff. People are all in different. Um, different circumstances, different stages of life. I have three very little kids. I do not serve as much in the church as I did when I had no kids. And I will serve more when they're a little older. My point is each person's responsible for their own time. We ask, we don't guilt trip people. Can you serve this day? And they're responsible for God for stewarding their own time. And so we, we can't play the comparison game of like measuring everybody's hours and say, well, this person is doing this and how many days off do they have? It's up to each person to decide. And you may say, well, maybe I'm young, I'm vital, I don't need as much of a day off. You do need some time off. I'm just saying embrace that and make a plan 
that suits your current needs, that suits your, uh, you being faithful with all the things God's given you. And don't feel guilty. I don't think you need to feel guilty about it. Am I wrong? I mean, like, we, we have to be faithful in all of these areas. And if you give no time to anything else, you're, you're going to have some problems on your hand. I and mean, people always tell the horror story in seminary that's probably apocryphal of the, 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 the student walks in to the apartment and the wife has all his books laid out on the bed and he, she's got the suitcase packed and she's, there's your wife, you know, you've neglected our family. And we're all like, oh no, it may not happen to me. Um, but <laughs> my point is, we, is, when it comes to family stuff, especially with this, it's not just that we're trying to avoid disaster. We're trying to embrace faithfulness. I don't want to do the bare minimum in every other area of life. I want to be faithful in every area of life. And that means not letting the ministry be 100% of my time. I don't think that that needs to be conceived as a neg- negative thing. Yeah. Uh, not a pastor, but uh, a pastoral assistant. Uh, the my pastor used, I definitely, I, I hear what you're saying with the, how it could be even a cultural difference. I yeah. definitely grew up in circles where pastors don't have a day off. Yeah. And then to see that my pastor had a half day off and a half day off, uh, and a day off. I'm yeah. Like, this is an option? Yeah. What do you even do? Yeah. Um, but the way that he really justified it, and rightfully, not in a bad way, is that those were the days that he's maintaining the other half of his pastoral qualifications. Yeah. That managing like his that. household is a prerequisite to being a pastor, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, and really, I mean, just looking back on more of the circles I grew up in, uh, bankruptcy and divorce rates and children who've walked away from the faith, there's definitely more of that in the households of pastors who literally, you know, were workhorses with good intentions, Yeah. but didn't actually maintain their qualifications. So good. I love that. I should have just let you speak first and I <laughs> keep my mouth shut. That's really good. I, if, if we get nothing else out of this session, I, I, I hope that that's, that is something that you, you, got, you guys take seriously the faithfulness in all the other aspects of life because that is, that is, you don't want to disqualify yourself from ministry because you did too much ministry. <laughs> that would be ironic and painful. <laughs> A couple of things in the notes that you might find useful. This is in the printouts if you have them. Uh, is just some prompts. I just threw these in here. Because as you're, especially if you're making a schedule from kind of whole cloth, you might be like, what sort of things should I factor in? These are a few common things that you'll probably want to make sure have a place in your schedule. If you look through it and you're like, oh, I don't have anything on here for personal devotions, maybe reevaluate your whole life. I'm just teasing. (laughs) Maybe reevaluate your schedule. (laughs) Family time, message prep, all that. So again, that's, that's all in the notes too. And I'll put up that QR code again at the end when we're done. And if you guys want to download all of this stuff and all the slide deck, you can get as well too. So don't feel like you need to furiously write it all down. This part, um, I got this from a book I read not long ago, which was recommended to me by Philip. Um, Knowing your energy levels. We're talking about time and time management and your schedule. One thing we don't take into account sometimes is that not all time is equal. Like I... For me, my green zone, my, the time I'm at my best is early morning. And so mapping what you do in your schedule to your energy levels, super wise. So this book, which is, is quite a good read, At Your Best by Kerry Newoff. I don't know much about Kerry Newoff. I've seen him. I know he used to be a pastor, but I, I don't know a ton about him. But the book is a good book on, on this topic. And he says uh, you have three zones. Your green zone, that's the two to four hours when you're just really zoned in. That's when you want to do the most important work when you're at your best, right? So message prep, planning time, counseling, that kind of stuff, okay? So if you can identify that, try to start slotting those things in on those times a day. That's right. You're at your best. That's right. We're getting the most out of it. You'll be asleep at the, the uh, morning routine one later this afternoon. Um, red zone, which you recognize is, that's your dead zone. Let's, like you just, you're almost useless. You can rest. But there's little things you can do during that time. Admin answering emails sometimes, uh, even just reading. But deliberately crafting your schedule towards your energy levels, a lot of wisdom there. The one I found most helpful in this book that I hadn't really thought about is your yellow zone. What about that in-between time? Where you're not at your best, but you're not at your worst. That's when you do stuff that doesn't require all of your person, but is still high value, right? Meetings, that's a good one for there. You don't want to be asleep in the meeting, but you don't want to be fully awake because that's a waste of time. I'm just teasing. <laughs> so that's, that's just a concept to work on. It's a good book. I, I do recommend that, that book because it's helpful for that. 
Um, number three. So we're, we're talking high level. We're talking about the five, whatever I said, five something. Number three is communicate your schedule. If all you do is make this schedule and then you hide it under a bushel, <laughs> no, uh, you've got to let it shine. You, you have to communicate it. If you know your schedule and you don't keep to it, you're going to be trouble. But you've got to share it with your staff, with other past People have to know about it. Um, this can be helpful if you have a, a secretary. That's wonderful. This can be helpful even in uh, out-of-office email responders. Like you can have a thing that says this is this is uh, whatever whatever your day off is, or if it's Saturday or something, say, I don't check email on this day. And you can set them up in Outlook so it automatically comes and goes on those days. And then people know, oh, he's going to get back to me on Monday or Tuesday or whenever, right? You can do that stuff, voicemail, things like that as well. Um, I want to jump ahead and show you something <clears throat> on this. Uh, this is from, someone sent this to me in our, our little online community thing. This is a pastor, and his father was Pastor Tom Fillinger, and he used to put this on his door outside of his office on the days when he was deep in study. And I'll just, I'll just read it to you because I think this is so great. He says, Dear flock, the expectation the Lord has for each shepherd is that they love his sheep. You, I do. One of the most credible expressions of that love is a clear, accurate, and compassionate declaration of the word of God. To accomplish this objective, I need focused and intimate time with God and his word. To do that, I need to shut out anything that will hinder my time in study and meditation. Therefore, you may come to my door and find this message hanging on the door. When you do, know that I love you. Then pray for me as I attempt to show fidelity to God and his people in the stewardship of time and resources each and every day. Camille, that's his, uh, that was his secretary, always knows my schedule. I'll make time for you, so call or email us for an appointment. I really do care. Thanks. You feel like it doesn't have to be this like, you know, stiff arm, right? It can be warm, compassionate explanation of this is the time when I'm studying. And people, for the most part, get it. And they appreciate that. So I think there's a lot of wisdom there. So letting your staff know, letting your church members know that was that, was that one. Um, I'm not recommending you go up on a Sunday and you say, don't you dare call me on my day off, all of you, you know? Preach a Jeremiah at them about calling you on, on Monday. Not so good. Um, but do let them know, have, have ways of communicating that and letting your family know, which is, we talked about earlier, like, and, and maybe not just letting them know, but talking about that with them, uh, especially if you have kids and stuff, um, understanding that dad, he's, he's working during this time, especially if you do some of your study at home, which I know a lot of you do like communicating that and knowing they know, Hey, the Saturdays or whatever, Friday evenings, this, we're going to do something fun this weekend. We, you know, you have things for them to look forward to. There's a lot of wisdom in that, a lot of wisdom in that so that um, the, your schedule isn't just like some something that's like hidden from that. They don't understand when you're going to be available and that kind of stuff. And I do, just a side note, I think that creates regularity in the home, which can be helpful too. All right, so can communicate your schedule. Defend your schedule. So we talked about external threats to your schedule. The greatest threat to your schedule is going to be you. It's going to be you wanting to say yes to everything. You know, I want, I want to serve people. That's a natural motivation. But you've got to think big, long term. How do I be faithful week in and week out, week out to all the stuff the Lord's given me? How do I do that? Um, I have to avoid distractions. I have to be open to divine appointments, but be wary of distractions, interruptions, those kind of things. Uh, and a big thing you can do is during your deep work time, like with sermon prep, all that, is eliminate some distractions from your work environment. I'll have a few tips of that at the end if we have time for them in some different ways you can do that with your phone and things like that that are more practical. <clears throat> oh, no, here they are. I'll give them to you real quick. <laughs> Kill your cowboys. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to skip that one, but then you're going to be like, it's going to be nagging you forever. What does that mean? Um, I had a professor in seminary, Dr. Murphy, and he was very good at managing his time. And I went up to him. He was a Hebrew professor. And I went up to him after class one day. I was like, you're a full-time pastor. You teach Hebrew classes here. He was doing all this other stuff with discipleship. And he lived an hour from the seminary. And I was like, how are you alive? Like, how, are you function how do you do all this? And he said, Reagan, you have to kill your cowboys. I was like, what are you talking about? He says, the Dallas Cowboys. You have to be willing to, to uh, not watch the Dallas Cowboys. And I was like, 
that's easy. <laughs> but his point was, there are things that are legitimate, enjoyable, fun parts of life that are not sinful that you're going to have to put to death because this is a high calling. And, you, and some of those are going to be distractions from you being focused in ministry. And having that attitude of, I'm here to serve Christ, I'm going to put that behind me. I, I, you know, that one of those books they gave you was on video games. That was one of the things I had to do. I had to put video games behind me. I'm not saying video games are bad. I was like, this is not, this is not something that is going to be useful for me in the long run in trying to serve the Lord of my life. So again, not saying you guys have to do that, but be willing to do that. You got to lay everything on the altar. Delete distracting apps off your phone. Use a website and app blocker like Freedom. I use this, guys. This is awesome. Freedom.to works on any device, computer, tablet, iPhone, Android, anything. And you can set up block lists of apps and websites you want to be blocked, and you can put them on a schedule. So you can actually put in your schedule into this thing and say, these are my deep work times. No more Facebook. Or, oh, I really want to argue on, Facebook, on Twitter. No, I can't right now because uh, it's blocked. I love that. It's, it's really, really great. And it's cheap, too. You can buy like a lifetime membership sometimes for like 70 bucks. Then you have to pay for it again. I, I use it all the time. It's running right now. Freedom.2. There's other options, obviously. Design your environment for focus. If your office or your home office is set up in such a way that you're tends to distraction, make the changes. It's worth an hour now to save you hours and hours and hours in the future of not having things that tend to distract you in that environment. Yeah. Um, shutting the door. Um, if you keep making it so that it it's hard for people to reach you. Sometimes it may even be, reach, especially with a home office, changing where you study. Be like, I'm doing it at the kitchen table. Well, I don't have a home office. My house isn't big enough. Well, maybe do it in the bedroom. Do it somewhere, not in the bathroom, but do it somewhere where you can get away. Changing your environment that promotes focus. Um, same, similar to the phone thing, sometimes if your phone's uh, a distraction, they actually did a study that said your phone is still a distraction, even if you're not checking it, if it's within seven seconds of you. So just the knowledge that you could be interrupted is a distraction. And so one great thing you do is just put your phone somewhere else in a different room and you'll, you'll be amazed. Honestly, try this tomorrow if you find your phone distracting you. You'd be like, wait, why do I not? I feel a little weird. I feel like I'm missing something. But you, you'll feel like you're not that nagging anymore. So that's a couple of them. All right, last thing, uh, perhaps most important, modify your schedule. At least annually, ideally once per quarter, looking back, doing, you don't have to do the full time audit type thing, but look back and say, is this still serving me? Have things changed, right? And when there's a big life altering event, be willing to throw the schedule out. Just crumple it up. If you well, print it out, then crumple it up and throw it away. Um, you gotta be willing to do that. And just high level, you gotta be flexible with this. That's what I try to emphasize. We're saying an ideal week. There are no ideal weeks. But what you have here is uh, what they used to call in sailing a rum line. It's, it's where you're trying to head and there's going to be storms you have to avoid. There's going to be things that are going to throw you off course, but it's something to come back to. It's something when you're sitting there on a Tuesday and you're, you're like, what should I be doing right now? Oh, I should be doing correspondence. It's something to give you a little bit of guidance, a little bit of structure to your day. And if you don't create it, someone else is going to, well, they're not going to create structure, but they're going to, demands are going to come at you. So having something like this is really going to serve you. I really do believe that. Um, let me just finish with a couple exhortations because um, we are a little bit out of time here, but let me just give you a couple of exhortations. Managing your time is a stewardship. Um, George Mueller said, wasting time is unbecoming of a saint that is bought by the precious blood of Jesus. His time and all he has is to be used for the Lord. It's not your time, it's his time. And you're crafting a schedule that is your attempt to try to be faithful with your time across not just your vocation, but all your domains he's given you to steward. Manage your time is wisdom, Ephesians 5, 16, and, uh, or 15 and 16, right? We always talk about redeeming the time. Sometimes we forget that this is in Ephesians 5 where he's talking about walking in wisdom. Walking, manage your time is an aspect. You want to be wise? Manage your time. Create a schedule. Use that. Be wise with it. Manage your time is an obligation. Um, this is from the qualifications for um, an elder from 1 Timothy 3.2. One of them sometimes we overlook is the qualification to be respectable. This is an interesting one. Like, what do you mean respectable? Well, the word respectable describes a pattern of life of a man who is dignified and well-organized. He's respectable to others because he's orderly and disciplined. His life's not in chaos or confusion. 
not full of unaccomplished tasks or half-done projects, a respectable man approaches life in a systematic and purposeful way. And the way he fulfills his many responsibilities showcases that inner stability and self-discipline. Managing your time, having a schedule is part of being respectful. It's part of your job as, as an elder. Manage your time's an opportunity. I'll leave on a positive note. Ephesians 2.10, where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jonathan Edwards, uh, preaching on this verse, said, he reasoned this way. He said, if, if God has prepared the good works we're to walk in beforehand, it presupposes that we have enough time to actually do those things. God hasn't given us an impossible task. The problem is all the other stuff we're doing. And creating a schedule is just a boots on the ground, fundamental way to say, how do I order my life in such a way that I can faithfully walk in the good works the Lord's prepared for me? Because I do have enough time. I just need to make sure I'm spending it right. Uh, that's all I got. Um, thanks for being here, guys. Again, this is if you scan that QR code or you go to that link down there, you can download the slides for this, the template that was in there, and a bunch of other stuff, and for all my other sessions here this week too.